Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Ellen Goodwin out of San Diego, California with us. She is a productivity consultant. Ellen, would you come on in and introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do? Absolutely. Hi, April. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as you already said, I'm a productivity consultant. I'm a speaker, uh, did a TEDx talk. I'm an author of a book about it's, you know, it's called done how to work when no one's watching. So it's basically about working mostly from home. I mean, it applies to other businesses, but perfect for that. Um, I'm in San Diego. I help businesses, individuals, teams, uh, overcome procrastination, build stronger habits, learn how to manage their energy instead of their time, be more focused. So, you know, they're better with their life, their efficiency, their productivity. Uh, I'm also co-host of the Faster, Easier, Better podcast, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> so uh, there's a big accountability component too with your work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. What is the nature? Do you do a lot of like one-on-ones or workshops or how do you um, reach your people? Yes. <laughs> I do all of the above. One-on-ones, um, I do trainings. I'll go into companies and, and do full on, you know, half day, full day trainings, uh, group, you know, group accountability. I will do individual accountability. I just, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it. I just finished a, a two month accountability for a young man studying to take his law school exams. And, oh, wow. uh, that was, that involved a lot of everyday texting back and forth. Did you study? How long did you study? You know, I was the chief nagger. <laughs> right. I actually, I used a service for a while. I can name them if I can think of the name of them. My body tutor. And it was a more of a health and wellness, uh, weight loss type thing. And it was, um, the texting was so helpful. Just knowing to expect a text helped me stay on course. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, it's just, it's the whole idea that somebody's watching. Um, it's known as the Hawthorne effect. We all do better when we know someone's watching. Mm -hmm. Think about how much better you drive if there's a police car behind you. <laughs> or my it's kids the same in the back thing. Seat. <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing. So, you know, I'm not the police, but I am, I'm watching. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about, I know you are kind of a long hauler when it comes to working from home. Uh, you've been doing this. It's a, it's a 26 years, 26 years. So yes. where did you come from and how did you get into working from home back in the nineties before 90s. That was really a big thing? Yeah. Yes. So, um, I worked, I was in advertising. I worked in the creative department. So designer, um, you know, all of that fun stuff. And the, actually the company I was working with, the agency I was working for, um, was not doing well. They were having issues and you could see like the writing on the wall. And I'd been thinking about, you know, going out on my own. I could take some clients with me. It would be really good. Uh, and then, you know, it just looked like things were going to go downhill. They were going to lay people off. And I was like, you know, I put money aside. I've got people that are going to be my clients. I'm just like, here's my line in the sand and I'm leaving. And I did, I left. And a week later they laid off all these people. And I was like, ah, I was ahead of you. Uh, yeah. And so I started, but here's, here's what's interesting with the, nothing goes as you plan. Um, and so it, all the clients that were supposed to come with me didn't. And it took three months before I landed my first client. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, I had, like I said, there was the money that wasn't as worried. I was married. So I had like, you know, somebody to help with things, but he was also a huge critic. I remember my husband coming one day and going, are you ever going to do any work for anyone? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, I will. Mm -hmm. And yeah, after three months I got a client and then things took off from there. Good. Now, when you watched your coworkers, your previous former coworkers get laid off. Did they receive severance? Yes, they received severance, but not much. I mean, it was like they got like a week for every year they'd been there. Well, yeah. So did you miss out on that when you left? I did miss earlier? out on that, but um, I just, you know, I, it, you well, left on your, 
own terms. I lived on my own terms. And there was always the possibility that I wouldn't have gotten laid off and okay. then would have had more work. And then it would have been harder for me to go, oh yeah, bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I left Mayo Clinic, it was through a separation package. Um, we received the equivalent of like what a severance package would be, but there was, you know, they said, for those of you who want to continue to stay, we think that we will continue, you know, with the department for some time, but we do need some people to head out. And so we're giving you the option first. And I was one of the first people to go uh, because I had already, I had a background of, you know, I had more work experience and more education than most of my coworkers. Um, Uh I was in medical transcription and a lot of those people only had a high school diploma and like the one year secretary certificate type thing. Right. Where I had had a four-year degree and I had already had, I think, a master's degree at that point and a lot of work experience. Uh, I think for five years, I was doing a job share. So I was working 50% of the time and then I was accepted to teaching and waitressing and doing other things. And so I had more than one thing in my you know, tool belt where a lot of people only had that one thing. So I kind of wanted to give them that chance to stay. But um, the other huge thing was that I wanted to make sure I left on my own terms because what if I didn't make the cut? What if they said, you know, you're not going to, you know, be in the top 5% that we're keeping or something like that. And sure enough, within the year they did, they let go of just about everybody else. I have a few people that I know that stuck around, but, you know, just times are changing and that, you know, the need for transcription is not what it used to be. So So leaving on your own terms is kind of, um, you know, a boost, I guess, in terms of like self-confidence, like, yeah, I, I have a plan. I had, you know, you had yeah. some savings and things like that. Exactly. So, yeah. No, and it is, it is that like, you know what, you're not in charge of me. Mm-hmm. I already, you know, I can see things. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So then you started working, you got your first client and how long did it take before you felt like you were up to speed? Oh, as far as like having clients and money coming in and, um, so that would have been February, February. So I would have say by May, you know, my, I was busy, Good, you know, as busy as I, I really could be as busy as I felt good about. Um, I was starting to get to referrals, building up the people that were then going to become, you know, my clients for a long time. And how did you morph into this new area? Like the productivity (laughs) accountability thing? Like, when did that happen? that happened when I didn't do well with my, uh, my own business. So uh, it's a little bit of a story. Um, But you know, I was doing great, had been years, I was doing great business, had wonderful clients. And for some reason, which even today, I'm not even sure why I, uh, I started to just procrastinate on things. And I started to miss deadlines. And Clients love that. They just love it when you missed it. <laughs> they hate it. They hate it. I'm being so sarcastic. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I lost, I lost some clients and I, I was at the point where I could lose my business and, you know, and I'm like trying to figure out what's going on, but it, you know, I'm not at that worst part yet. And that came where I took a job uh, just because I needed money. And, and it was, I'm in San Diego and it was, hot part of the summer and we don't do hot well here <laughs> we're terrible at it. and so I was like okay great I have to go he's got an office at his house I have to go there he lives inland they're going to have air conditioning which would be lovely and I get there and he doesn't have air conditioning and he's not prepared for my visit and we go into the office and it's sweltering hot and there's this sad little fan just you know spinning around trying to cool the room off And I sat there and I realized that, oh my gosh, because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I am sitting here, sweat going down my back. I hate what I'm doing. Why is this happening? And that was, that was when I hit the bottom, the pit of procrastination. And that's when I decided, you know, I got to figure this out. And so um, that was the beginning of a lot of education, research, training, putting together systems, tools I started to use that brought me back out of that pit, got me back on track, got my business back on track. But what happened was 
my clients, my friends, they all saw that, you know, what was going on and started asking me, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Which had nothing to do with graphic design or advertising. It was all, (laughs) I'm procrastinating. I can't focus. You know, I've got no accountability. And from there I transitioned. It took a couple of years where I, you know, everybody had to leave, everybody leave the room that is doing graphic design and brought me to where I am now. So when was that? Ah, that would have been so F 2014. Okay. You got a good seven years under your belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I like learning about things like accountability, productivity from people who struggle with it. Like to me, that means that you have been there in the trenches and worked it out for yourself. It's kind of, again, you know, back to the whole idea about like weight loss, like it's not easy to learn about weight loss from someone who's, you know, just naturally not hungry, right. <laughs> <and> hates sugar. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like when I was pa- uh, paired or matched with someone in that, my body tutor program, um, it was someone who had, you know, a similar background and who had overcome. So I, I like hearing, I want to hear all your tips and tricks. So you've got a podcast and you talk about this stuff. We do. We do. So podcast is the faster, easier, better show podcast. Um, I, I have a co- co-host who is a gentleman that I went to art school with years and years ago and we reunited and we have just had decided this is like four years ago because we've been doing it a long time put a podcast together. It's a very short podcast. They're seven to eight minutes long. We pick a productivity efficiency problem. Mm-hmm. And then for seven or eight minutes, we talk about various ways people can deal with that situation. And it all comes down to the fact that both of us, me in particular, I don't believe there's one size fits all when it comes to dealing with any sort of productivity issue. So I'm all for like, here, here's six ideas. Pick one, try it. It doesn't work. Pick another. I love it (laughs) because what works, what works for one person, isn't going to always work for the other person. There's such a big mix of personalities and circumstances. And like, you know, the person who's juggling, you know, I've got three children and you know, their schedules on top of my schedule and my husband works from home is going to have a different experience and a different system than a single person who lives in an apartment. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I can control my schedule. I can go, oh yeah, I'm only going to take meetings at this time during the day. And other people do not have that option. So what is working for you? What is work? Oh my gosh. So many things. So um, I know a lot of, of product people in productivity, you know, they're like, okay, use this app and then sit and then do this. And I hate apps. I hate them because I believe that, you know, here's my phone. I believe that every, and there, you can see there's like notifications on there. Yeah. I've got my, mine happened too. <laughs> Silenced, so, but they're still every, there. <laughs> I know exactly. Like, but every time you pick up your phone, this is a moment of choice machine because you have, a, there's that moment where you go, well, I could do what I'm supposed to do. Like in this example, go to my app to check things, but we are wired for the new and novel. And look at that. You picked up your phone and there's something new and novel. There's, there's a, a notification from someone. <gasps> Ooh, what could it be? And could this be exciting? Probably not, but mm-hmm. your brain doesn't know that. So every time you pick up your phone is an opportunity to just go down a rabbit hole. So I'm a big, big fan of three tools. And that would be a timer, post-it notes, and dice like regular dice you take out of a game. So then you can't play the game. No, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but those are my, like, I believe those three things help you so much. Timers are fantastic for focusing. They're wonderful for counting down time. Okay. In five minutes, I'm going to do this. Boom. The timer goes, or I'm going to do a sprint. I'm going to do three things that I don't want to do. I'm procrastinating on, I'm going to give myself 15 minutes to do those. And that can be just as simple as, you know, do the dishes and pick up 10 things in the living room and something with your kids. You know, it doesn't have to be work-related. So set a timer focusing, you know, 
it's hard for people to focus. But if you give yourself a, a certain time and, and an outline, and I'll, I'll tell you that later, what, how to structure it, you can get so much done. Focus, when you really focus, you can double, triple what you get done. Um, Post-it notes, because whenever you do focus, you always want to write down what it is you're going to focus on for that time frame. I also big believer in starting your day with three to five outcomes on a post-it note. That's it. There's no long, big, long, you know, here's my to-do list. No, we want three to five outcomes. And dice are the most wonderful things to prevent decision fatigue. So anytime you've got a list of things and they've all got the same priority, rather than sitting there and going, well, I could do this, I could do that. Just number them, roll the dice, whatever number comes up, that's what you do. And this works, this works for work, this works for home. What are we having for dinner? Well, here's your five choices, I'm rolling the dice. You know, what are we doing this weekend? Here's our six choices, rolling the dice. So those are like my three absolute favorite tools that I use all the time. So I learned when I was younger that as soon as my dad would suggest that we flip a coin to try to make a choice, it always made me know what I wanted. I'd yeah. be like, no, I, I actually, like, if I can't decide that that'll make me decide quickly, like yeah. the threat of having to flip a coin. Um, <laughs> it sounds a little bit like uh, the Pomodoro method uh, with the 25 minute timers. I'm assuming you, you're just setting a timer for any amount of time for any, any amount kind of, of time. Um, yes, any amount, because I believe, let's say you have meetings in the morning, you know, and you've got 20 minutes, you know, even 20, you have 17 minutes between yep. meetings, you know, yep. yeah. don't waste it. Set yeah. the timer for 17 minutes, know what you're going to do and, and, and do it. So yes, I mean, oh, and it serves that purpose that if that 17 minutes comes up and you need to be somewhere, it triggers you to get to that meeting on time too, because otherwise, what if you were, you know, having, um, going down some rabbit trail, <laughs> it exactly. snaps you back. <laughs> exactly. And, and I use, I use usually kitchen timers and I also have a Moaz timer, which is, uh, let me grab it. <laughs> They're square timer. Okay. And then you can set it for like 30 minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It's just so, really quick. Yep. You just do that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You, so you just flip it and it's, it activates the timer depending on, okay, got it. Yep. Uh, we use timers a lot with our children. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times to wind down, like if we're going to be uh -huh. like, we're in the middle of this preferred activity, you know, we're at the park or we're playing a video game or something, reading books actually, and it's really bedtime. So we've got, you know, we're going to set the timer for 10 minutes. And when the 10, 10 minute timer goes off, everybody needs to know that that's the trigger. We need to go upstairs and brush teeth. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. we use that a lot and I need to use them more often with myself. I've done it before. Like I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm going to unload the dishwasher and reload it. And at 10 minutes when it's done, I can leave. But if that 10 minute timer goes off and I, and I got distracted in the meantime, I set it again for 10 minutes and I just start over. So one of the ones I use, especially from working from home and people will understand this one is if I know I'm going to be working on something that I'm just, I'm going to get into like when I was mm -hmm. writing my book. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that I need to take a break because that's, very important for maintaining your energy for just, you know, your physical, right? What I would do is I would set the timer on my kitchen stove. Mm -hmm. My kitchen stove timer mm -hmm. does not go off by itself. You have right. to get up and Physically. turn it off. Mm -hmm. And that would force me to get up, walk to the kitchen. So I'm getting a little movement, turn it off, have a moment and then, you know, reset it That's and good. go back to work. That'd be a good time to grab a glass of water and it, mm -hmm. that break away from the computer is the way to give your eyes a break, your back, your yes. muscles, you know, like I think the more you can get up, but it's the coming back again. So like, are it's you triggered? Like, are you good at going there, doing what you need to do and getting back to your task? I am. I am. But that is, that's always a moment of choice as well, because when you are wandering back from the kitchen to the office, there, there's so many opportunities to just go, oh, I'm going to do this or yes. Mm -hmm. But um, I would be very much on task. 
we use our echo dot. Um, my brother gave me one and I didn't know how I felt about it when we received it, <laughs> but we use it a lot for timers because we oh, can yeah. just call into the room, you know, set a timer mm-hmm. for 15 minutes, the phone timers, which are always present, right? Right. Um, that can be that distraction. So I'm assuming that's why you're choosing to use physical timers that exactly. are not related to your devices. Like I can set a timer on my computer. You can go to Google and just type in 15 minute timer and it'll mm-hmm. go off. But then what, what are you, what are you going to, are you going to keep yeah. going? <laughs> oh yeah. No, I used to have timers like every half hour go off on my phone with the idea that it would, you know, give me an idea of where I was in the day. It's and- almost like you stop hearing them. Exactly. Because they wouldn't, they didn't do it didn't make me get up and, and do something mm-hmm. else. It just was, I would just reach over and boom. And I always had music. They were always music. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's 1030. It's that song. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I have a hard time waking up. Uh, and I've had to learn a few tricks about, you know, being able to get myself out of sleep and into, you know, up on my feet. And right. I've, you know, over time have set multiple timers uh, or alarms, I guess, that go off at different times in like different degrees of um, ridiculousness. <laughs> like, um, and I have to set it out of reach. So I have to be able to physically move my body to like turn it off. Um, but every once in a while, if I will ask my husband, you know, like, hey, honey, I think I'm going to just take a 20 minute nap on the couch and my... Uh, phone is upstairs charging. Could you set a 20 minute timer for me? That's where I struggle because like, I need to physically move to, to wake up, you oh, know, right. like I need to like get my feet off of the couch or whatever to, to trigger my brain to be like ready to go. And if he just says, Oh, your timer went off. Do you need to get up? I'll be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and just go back to sleep. And so I feel like when we're so zoned, you know, in the zone and focused, it's almost like that trance that you are in, like in that half in half out of sleep where you're just like, that's why I said, it's like almost like you don't even hear it anymore. So I like to have different, you know, triggers for different times of day um, and set them outside of my reach. I like your oven. I think our oven also doesn't turn off without physically going and getting it. So I think I'm going to use that more. So there's also, and, and this is an app and I tried it. Um, it's this alarm clock and I cannot think of the name of it, but what happens is it screams until you have taken a certain <laughs> number of steps oh. you have to, and it doesn't just scream. It, it screams like someone is, is being tortured, <laughs> which is just, it's horrifying first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. but it does get you moving. So, I mean, if you need to torture yourself and really get moving, that's one you could look into. I had one that I would have to shake my phone and like, and it would be like this really like, how do you say it? My- maniacal laugh? Is that oh, how yeah. you say it? Maniacal. Maniacal. And it'd be like, what? and you'd have to <laughs> shake it like vigorously, like violently almost to get it to turn off um, for so long. Like you'd set it so that it have to be like a 30 seconds of shaking it. And that would usually work, but somehow my brain figured out how to like click the side button and that must've just stopped it for some reason. And so like, I don't even know how, like when I'm awake to tell you how to turn it off, but my brain figured it out when I was sleeping. Oh, that's funny. My brother had one that it was like complicated math problems. Like you would have to set it to difficulty level and you'd have to like really have to think hard to be able to get it to turn off. Um, yeah. Alarms are interesting. Like they're the, <laughs> they're a helpful tool, but oh, annoying too. No, the math one, I'm just thinking like, like, why would I ruin my day like that? Because, I'd be, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, I was told there would be no math and now I'm only up 36 seconds and there's math. He is a very, very, very deep sleeper. And he at some point was living alone and was working third shift. <laughs> So, you know, you, you have to go to the next extreme. Yeah, there are, there are, I don't have like a Fitbit or iPad. I, I, how do you call it? The iWatch? The iWatch, I think. Apple Watch. Yeah, there you go. Apple. I don't have one, Um, but I've heard that the ones that like buzz and people even have like ones that you've put on your pillow that will buzz, Mm -hmm. but we're talking about sleeping and like productivity, kind of mixing them together. But I think just to snap yourself out of that like zone is it's helpful. So like the physical movement, it's just for, you know, some of us getting back to the task would be like yes. the next step. Exactly. 
exactly. And, and that is, you know, that's part of it being able to just like, okay, <laughs> like not looking at anything coming back. And, you know, the other thing you can do is, is set a timer as you're leaving. Yes. Set a timer. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> timers, timers, timers. I love it. Yes. Well, and like, I do well with, if I do this, then I do that. If mm -hmm. I go downstairs to turn off the stove, I turn left and I get a drink of water from our Berkey, which is like our water filter. And then I can go back up the stairs. Um, I actually like to do that sort of thing when I only have five minutes between meetings or something like that. Right. So that I, I do have a goal to get back again. Yes. Yes. So, you know, different situations, but having that, um, you know, I obviously don't do the, the kitchen timer thing all the time, but mm -hmm. when I know I'm going to immerse myself in something and I need to physically, mentally pull myself away, then I'll make sure and do it. I do use some re recurring timers um, that I don't tune out so much um, for certain times of the day, like when I need to go get my kids. I have an alarm that goes well, off yeah. that helps snap, snap me out of whatever I was focused on to remember to go get my kids. And those, <laughs> um, having them set on a recurring basis is helpful for me so that I don't have to remember to set it. It's already there. Right. Right. Yeah. So you're kind of a paper and pen and like the physical objects reminders kind of person, not so mm -hmm. much the digital tools. Was that a conscious decision that you made like from trial and error? It was because, you know, there's so many, there's so many apps out there and there's so many things you can do. Um, and I just found that, that to me, they were absolutely more distracting and more work than was helpful. And, you know, if I have to stop and put things in to my phone or, you know, onto the computer, I'm not going to do them. But if I'm just like, boop, cross it off a piece of paper, pull off the post-it note, um, I'm much better at that. And, you know, again, we go back to no one size fits all. This is great for me. And obviously there are lots of people that like the apps and more power to them. If that helps you do it. Well, and different workflows are going to call for different, you know, types of action. I do use a service actually right before we started this call. I saw the notification that my payment went through for a focus mate. It's like a $5 oh, yes. a month. Have you heard of that one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do anything? Are you, are you generally talking with people throughout the day or are you like 50, 50 working alone, like on writing, like you were writing your book? Like what, what does your you workflow look like? Um, you, you're right about, you know, it's about 50, 50, my mornings. Um, I've set my mornings up for the most part to be creative time. That's when I'm writing, um, working on, you know, new presentations. Maybe I have rehearsal for presentations and then afternoons are when I will be with people. I will be talking okay. with people and, and, uh, you know, coaching, doing podcasts, all that fun stuff. Did you set that up because of like your energy level? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about energy. Yes. Energy, energy management is so much more important than time management because you can't have time management if you don't manage your energy because I could schedule out the most amazing day and I'm going to do this and this and here, look, I'm time blocked and I've got sprints and I've got batching and I've got, and then if I have no energy, if I'm just done, I had that kind of morning, I had that interaction with someone, it comes to the afternoon where I'm going to batch and sprint and blah, 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 and I got nothing, nothing <laughs> happens. But if I know my energy and I schedule my day by my energy, I am much more likely to be able to do the things I want to do. There's obviously going to be times where it's that kind of morning. You know, you spend the morning, uh, something happens. You end up in a meeting where people, you're making all sorts of decisions and you're just drained. You, you go buy a car this is, and they know they do this. You go buy a car uh, <laughs> and they're going to ask you, you know, do you want this? Do you want this? I mean, right now it's not that way because there's like no cars available, but it used to be, you know, do you want this? Do you want this? And, and by the time you get done, you're like, I don't care. I just need something with four wheels because you're just exhausted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that sort of stuff happens. But if you've already scheduled, you already know when your high energy times are and your low energy times are, if you can schedule your day that way, 
it's going to make a huge difference. And I know not everyone can, but if you're working from home, you have a much better chance of, of being that person. You know, okay, I know that this is not my best time to be you know, cleaning my desk or answering emails or, or things like that, because I'll do those in the afternoon when I'm not just bubbling over with ideas and, and coming yeah. up with things I need to do. Well, even if you don't have full control over your work day, like if you work for a corporation that, you know, your, your, your day is packed with whatever meetings that mm-hmm. are more out of your control, you still can control how you spend your lunchtime or your, what would have been your commute time in the morning and afternoon. Right. Right. Absolutely. You've mentioned the word batch several times, and I know what you're probably talking about, but <laughs> why don't you talk about that as though we don't know? Okay. So, um, Batching, so batching time would be when you schedule, let's say half an hour, 45 minutes, the number doesn't matter. But during that time, you are going to work on one kind of thing. And that would be, let's say you're going to read, you're going to do some research, you're going to read some articles you've saved, uh, and you're just going to read, or you're going to write. Maybe you're going to work on an article, a blog post, you know, a long email that needs to go out to coworkers, things like that. But all you do is the same type of thing. And the key here is that you are keeping your brain in one room. Because if your brain, imagine your brain was a house and, you know, you can read when you're in the living room and you can, you can research and, and talk to people and, you know, in different rooms. But the whole idea is you do better when you stay in one room and you're not going back and forth and using up energy and changing context, which is multitasking. Basically, batching is focusing on the same kind of thing, but not always the same thing. You're eliminating a lot of the decision time too. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. Definitely. You're you're just like, hey, I'm batching. I'm doing, it's already decided. It's phone call time. I'm just going to do phone calls only. I'm not going to have to think about what to do next. I'm just going to do the next phone call kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, do you batch record your podcast? Since you're doing short episodes, I, do. I haven't done as much batching as I would like to do. There have been times when I do like back-to-back interviews mm-hmm. or like this week, I'm, I'm doing three interviews in a row, but um, because they get so long, you know, there's a lot of work right. to go with each one. Uh, but since you're doing the short we do form. short ones. Yes, we mm-hmm. do. Cause we go to a studio and it makes more sense to just right. do one trip to the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, our producer takes care of everything there and then, yeah. So we, d- we do batch record. Uh, but how much of your time are you leaving your home? I guess pandemic always, you know, for everybody <laughs> has changed everything, but in a typical year, you know, how much are you physically working from your home? or versus out and about meeting clients and going out to record? I would say I am, I'm home probably 60% of the time, um, meeting with clients, things like that, 30%. And then we still got the 10% of running around that needs to be, but I would say that in the 60%, I also do a lot of work at coffee shops or, you know, pre-pandemic coffee shops and parks because we have okay. a few parks nearby that have mm-hmm. picnic tables. Mm-hmm. Um, so I consider that kind of home because I'm not really interacting with anyone. I'm just yeah. in a new environment. Working from anywhere. We we have interviewed people who are digital nomads and home is relative and it changes every yeah. month or every week or something like that. Uh, when you're working from a park, are you using like a hotspot for Wi-Fi or are you just working on paper, paper and pen again? Paper and pen. So that's, a, you know, for me, that's a great place to go to edit, um, to do like my first drafts of things, mm-hmm. um, things that I just know that I'm not distracted in the park. I mean, the most things I get distracted by, and this is actually, I always find this entertaining, squirrels, literal squirrels. <laughs> squirrels. <laughs> I know, I know. I've taken pictures of them. Like I've got all these great squirrel pictures and I'm watching them. So <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, do you, do you find yourself getting distracted in coffee shops? Cause that's been something for me. I would have to bring earplugs or the AirPods to like block out some of the conversations. Cause I would be able to hear people talking. Um, 
sometimes, but sometimes I just, I do enjoy the background noise. Mm -hmm. Um, as long as it's, there's no, nothing that stands out, you know, there's not like a couple of people that are, you know, you're just like, Like, Oh, really? We don't need to know that. Uh (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's a great app. I will, I will own up to this app, which is great called Coffitivity, which you put on your computer and it's background noise that sounds like a coffee shop. And it shifts throughout the day. There's like morning coffee shop, there's lunchtime, there's afternoon, and it's just indistinct murmurings and the sound of coffee being made. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. How did your work full shift during the pandemic? It didn't. It really did. I mean, the only thing that was different was, um, seriously, my book came out four months before the pandemic. Okay. So, um, all of a sudden I had a bigger, uh, group of people that wanted to read what I had to write about and talk about. Oh, wow. That's really good for you. So good timing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I could say like, Oh yeah, I knew. (laughs) Was your book specifically for people who work from home or specifically about productivity? It is more about productivity, but from the the standpoint of, you know, this is what I learned when I worked with no one watching. And if it worked, you know, here, it's going to work there. Um, You know, yes, there are some times where it's like, hey, you know, if you work from home, but it didn't matter because everybody was working from home. That's true. Uh, Did you end up doing any kind of promotions? Did you get to meet people in person before the pandemic started to close things down regarding your book? Um, as for promotions, I was mostly, you know, podcasting, talking to people that it was out there. Um, when I, I am re it's going to be reissued. And when it does, there's going to be more of a, a push because everybody learns something new when you do something. And I learned about, (laughs) pushing more. Um, So there wasn't as in many, you know, chances to be out. I had a lot of speaking gigs that were um, that I booked with the book, um, which all got canceled. Mm. (laughs) So, um, you know, a lot of conferences that I was going to be speaking at. um, And none of them switched to an online format? Not right away, because I had a lot that were, you know, like, Right, March, then. April, May, that was, mm-hmm. and, and no one knew. Um, they hadn't figured that part out yet. <laughs> no, no. And then, you know, and then it switched over and, and it was like, hey, we're doing a virtual summit. And it was like, oh, what is that? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yep. Everyone I learned. discovered, yeah, everyone discovered yep. Zoom. And I'm like, um, I always had Zoom, but it was, it, yeah, it was a brave new world. Who was your book for then? Like, uh, if someone were to be interested in that, like, was how to, would you describe it in a few words? I would describe it as, as someone that uh, knows that they need to be getting things done. Doesn't matter really what their work is. You know, if they're working for someone, they're working from home, but they want someone by their side, giving them ideas of what they could do. Because in any part of the book, again, no one size fits all. So here's how you could deal with this. Or if that doesn't work, you could try this. You could try this. I think more than anything, it gives people options that they might not have considered to deal with situations that they're encountering. I think when someone finds something that works for them to keep going and keep doing it until it doesn't, and then to pull mm-hmm. the next thing out of your back pocket, I can see that being helpful. Yeah. And then realizing, you know, let's, let's just talk about procrastination. The thing is, there's not one reason you procrastinate. You know, you might procrastinate because of fear. So your fear of failure, fear of success, fear of not knowing what's, you know, what comes next. Or you're procrastinating because it's not very exciting. Our brain loves exciting things. And you know what? Folding another load of laundry, not exciting. Or it could be you're procrastinating because whatever it is you're working on, the final goal is way too far down the road. You know, go back to like losing weight. You know, that's a, that's a long-term thing. 
And so it's hard sometimes, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put off, I'm not going to have a salad. I'm just going to go straight to the donuts because <laughs> what could, what could possibly go wrong? I'm putting that off because that's far away. So we procrastinate for different reasons. And just because of that, there's different ways to deal with it. You know, I wouldn't deal with the long-term procrastination the same way I would deal with folding a load of laundry. Mm -hmm. So um, that's really what I get into in the book. Yeah. And I, I can see people, you know, procrastinating when they're depressed or, you know, Almost like definitely. they're stagnant in their job or something like that. I can see, you know, from my own background and experience, like, you know, the different or, oh my goodness, my kid got so sick twice in, in September and October. And we think that they were related. We just didn't know it at the time. Oh. And a lot of things got put to the wayside during that time. And then trying to come back and catch mm -hmm. up, it's overwhelming. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's so many reasons. And, and yes, sometimes life just throws up a big barrier and it goes, ha, you know, you planned. I'm laughing at you. And I get that. <laughs> I get that because we can't be these productivity machines all the time. You need in those situations, you need to be the mom, your kid needs. You need to be taking care of them and other stuff. You know, it'll be there. Um, you were talking a little bit ago about, you know, your graphic design and um, advertising business and then how you morphed into this other thing. I want to talk a little bit about how working from home for you has changed over 25 years, like the physical parts of it. Have you stayed in the same home the whole time? Did you end up having any children during that time? No, no, I stayed, you know, I, I did during that time I got divorced. So that was an exciting time. Um, and so in an, obviously in a different house, um, mm -hmm. A lot changed the way that the graphic design business was, okay. you know, when uh, computers changed everything. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, we were, we were using computers, but how things changed through that. I mean, I used to take uh, layouts and proofs to the client, show up at their, you know, come to their off, drive to their office. Here is your proof. Here's a piece of paper, whatever. Here's your proof. And then I would drive home. And then it's, you know, and then it got to the point where, hey, here's a PDF, boom, I'm just sending it to you. Mm -hmm. So there used to be a lot more driving and going places and that changed. And that would have been pretty much the same, you know, with what then I Then you would now. have had a very local clientele. Do you, yes. I'm assuming that eventually once you could do the PDFs, you were able to broaden no, it everywhere. There. Yeah. But the very good point. Yes. In the beginning, it was very local. Were you physically printing those from home or did you have to go to like a copy center to have them printed off? It would depend on, on what I was getting done. Um, you know, I would, uh, if it was just, you know, here's their black and white proofs. I would just take them. If I needed to get color proofs or things like that. Yeah. The printer would do them or I'd order them and take them, take them to them. Yeah. Hmm. It changed. And what are some of the struggles that you've overcome during those 25 years? Uh, well, I already told you the big one, <laughs> almost losing my business. That was a huge, huge one. You um, pivoted and came out ahead. I pivoted. <laughs> I did. Um, but, but some of it was, you know, the, the overcoming like, oh, I'm, I'm working alone. You know, when I worked in the advertising agency, it was very, very social. We did a lot of things together and, and, you know, it was easy at the end of the day, like, you know, about 4.30, we started like, hey. Who wants to go to happy hour? You know, we'd be talking about that. And then that became, it was easy because you're all right there. And then once everybody's sort of dispersed and in different jobs, it was like, hey, do you want to go? And then they were like, well, no, I have to drive there. And, and it, that changed, you know, getting used to being by myself. Uh, it was that myself. like abrupt that all that happened like right around what 2014 or so or was that um, that would have been when I first left the ad agency so okay. that would have been 95 <laughs> oh okay yeah um were you able to do any of your work from home when you were still at the ad agency or was it all in person oh that was all in person I did I did have freelance clients that I would 
you know, I would run after work and pick up proofs and, and then like go to their office at lunchtime, but it was very hard. Um, but yeah, the ad agency, oh no, it was all no one worked from home. And you already had a computer of your own that you were using because you had the side clients. Yeah. 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 No, I had all the equipment at home, had the office. I mean, at that time, yeah, we had had a big house that had a, you know, four bedrooms and mm-hmm. one was an enormous office for me. Nice. Okay. Like, Yay. What about now? I, it looks from the video that I'm looking at, it looks like you're sitting in a nice ergonomic chair with a couch behind you. Are you in an office or a living room? I am. No, this is, this is my office. Um, so now I have a smaller house and, and there's two bedrooms and this one bedroom is completely the office. Um, mm-hmm. this is all it's used for is the office. This is a tax deduction because it's yes. all the office. There's no, uh, you know, the only one that uses the couch is um, my neighbor's cat who comes in and has decided that that is where he sleeps. So, um, you know, and then and sometimes it's uh, ends up having, uh, hey, it's a wonderful storage area. So, um, yeah, this is this is how I do it. But if you take meetings here, that's your motivation to keep it cleared up, I'm assuming, because it's behind you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people that I've interviewed that have a separate room that they can close the door find mm-hmm. that that's a really nice way to start and end their day, their work day. How is that working out for you? Um, it, it works very good. I'm not one that like shuts the office door, um, although I do it right now because we're talking. Um, but yes, the end of the day is much better now than it used to. I used to have problems with that when, um, when it was just me after I'd gotten divorced and uh, I didn't have boundaries. I would eat dinner like at eight o'clock. I would just be like, oh, I'm working on this. And the thing is, in retrospect, is it wasn't like I was working hard between five and eight. It was just this thing like, okay, I got nothing better to do. I'm going to just you know, I, um, you know, I was probably giving myself like 25% effort and okay. it was just like doing this and this. And, uh, then I realized that, you know what, it's lovely to start shutting down at four 30 and then, oh my goodness at five, then look at, there's all this time and I'm eating better. Cause I'm not eating at eight o'clock. And, um, you know, I know some of that had to do with, I, I met the man who's now my husband and, and, he had, he had a very weird schedule. And so he was like going to bed at eight o'clock. Oh yeah. And so it was like, um, if I, I mean, eating, to- at, eating at eight o'clock isn't a big deal to me because I've worked these strange off hour shifts, you know, for the last 13 years. Mm-hmm. But so he was eating at opposite times as you, you just basically just started to, well, he was, you know, when we first met, I mean, for a few years we were, he, he lived far, not far away, but I mean, we weren't together, mm-hmm. you know, physically all the time. So it was just, you know, eight o'clock, we would, we, that would be our phone call time. Mm-hmm. So we could, you know, and, and so it was like, I don't want to be talking while I'm like shoveling chicken salad in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Well, that sounds good. Um, so you, you have a two bedroom home right now. One of the bedrooms is designated as an office. Is he also working from home at this point? No. No, he, he, the only time he's ever worked from home was uh, during the pandemic and they had to shut down his office. So he got the dining room uh-huh. and uh, he enjoyed it. <laughs> How long did that last? Um, gosh, six months No, four months, maybe four to six months. Not too bad. He works for government. They want them there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know that was a pretty huge um, security thing. You know, like when I worked for Mayo Clinic, they were very conscientious, of course, about patient confidentiality and security mm-hmm. and trying to bring home, you know, government positions. That's a big deal, uh, you know, needing to have secure um, connections and things like that. And, you know, people that have never worked from home before, had he ever worked from home in the past? Never. Yeah. So this is what was fun. Cause he always would talk about, so he's got OCD and, um, he'd always talk about like, I could never work from home because there's 
too many things that would be distracting. And when he worked from home, and I'm not telling any tales out of school, because he would, he will totally confess to this. He could not start working in the morning until the kitchen was clean. And then at the end, and he, he would do it. It wouldn't be me. I mean, he would be in there doing all of his stuff. And then at mm -hmm. the end of the day, I always knew when his day ended, which was earlier than mine, because he would vacuum the living room. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Our house <clears throat> was so clean, but he'd never worked from home and he, he did have problems with it. Mm -hmm. So, but he was right. also very clean. <laughs> Some people that have that trigger, like I've heard different stories. I've heard of the person who takes a walk around the block counterclockwise at the beginning of the day. And at the end of the day, they take the walk back home around the block clockwise. Oh, right. So they're like walking to work. It was like their commute. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that's brilliant. If that's what you need to start and end mm -hmm. your day, that's fine. And it sounds like your husband had a, a thing, a, he a had ritual a thing. that worked and and it benefited the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was his only, only ever work from home. And, you know, of course, since I always work from home, it was weird for me because I'm like, yeah, you're... He was on calls. He was you kind know. of noisy. <laughs> Vacuuming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how much of your day is on calls right now? Um, not as much as, as you would think. Um, maybe 20%. Yeah, you know, it, it, it varies. I would go between 10 and 20. The texting thing that you referred to earlier, your mm -hmm. gentleman who was going through um, his lost school stuff. Yeah. Is that a, a, an option like that you offer? Do you, do you offer yes. different packages? Why don't you yes. go ahead and talk about a little bit of what you do, who you serve? Oh, okay. So um, basically with the accountability coaching, it's, it's anyone that usually feels the need. I mean, I can't go to someone and go, you need accountability coaching. No, that has to come from within mm -hmm. where you're, you know, you need to do something and you're not doing it for whatever reason, there's a, a an issue. So, I mean, I become your nagger, professional nagger, and I will like text you every day or, you know, depending on how much you need, you know, there's, I've had people where I've texted them in the morning and the afternoon and just, you know, Hey, I'm watching you. So I work, it, it can be any sort of business, any sort of situation, but where you need outside accountability, you need that outside eyes that is, is going to hold you and your feet to the fire hmm. to get things done. And I offer that as, you know, in, in this case, Jen, we've been working since September. We did a like nice two month every day that included weekends of, of check-ins you know, there's a specific thing he was working for. And, and we did that. Um, so any sort of business, any sort of situation. I uh, also, I mentioned earlier, I do trainings for small businesses, uh, companies, whoever is looking for some productivity help. And, and, you know, productivity is a huge thing. So there's, you know, companies where I will go in and we'll discuss accountability and, and, you know, put some, some plans together. Focus is another one. And then energy management, huge uh, for companies, businesses, especially now, like as we're trying, people are trying to get the most out of, of their employees, but in a way that's not burning people out and knowing how to manage your energy prevents the burnout. I think that you told me that you typically work about a 40 hour week. And yeah. I have talked with a lot of people who have struggled with feeling like they are working either too much or not having enough work um, and not filling that time. Uh, how, what is your secret <laughs> to, <laughs> to being good with your hours? Um, I'm very self-directed. I have, um, I always put together, you know, for two, three months out, what are the goals I have for that? And, and I will you know, this is just a planning session where with myself and I'll like, what do I need to be doing? And once those are on the sheets, then I will put together a, a chart that goes in my planner for the week. And, you know, and there's just boxes and it could be, um, 
right now I'm working on a companion workbook for my book. And so I need to be putting in, you know, a certain amount of time every week on that. And so I'll just break that into half hours. So, okay, I need to put in eight half hours at some point this week, you know, two here, two there, and I'll just cross them off. So it's, um, it's very much planning out where I want to be and scheduling that in, knowing that that's not my all 40 hours because I need time for other things. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, self-directed so that like, okay, well, I know that there's going to be downtime like next week is, is I know I've got uh, kind of an odd week. Mm-hmm. So I plan for that. Yeah. You know, it's going to be, there's, we've got some downtime and uh, I've got things I've written down that, you know, I won't have clients that I'm, I'm dealing with because of various reasons. So mm-hmm. I've scheduled it out. Um, you mentioned also that you were a Ted talk. Uh, how do you say that? You were a TED talk. You did a TED talk. I did a TED talk. I did. <laughs> what a was TED talk. what was the theme of that one? Um, well, it had nothing really to do with my business, um, but then it had everything. Um, it was uh, how dive bars can change your life. Dive bars. Tell tell dive more. Bars. <laughs> well, um, I run a dive bar of the month club, and what it basically is is each month fourth Wednesday of the month, we go to a different dive bar. We have drinks, people hang out. We have a meetup group. There's 5,000 members in it. Um, they don't all show up at the same time. How many uh, do? That's that's a lot of usually, people. Usually um, we're meeting uh, tomorrow and we have 75 signed up. Um, Goodness. That always changes because, you know, it's always on a Wednesday and, uh, Wednesdays are notorious for people going, yes, I will be there. And then Wednesday comes and people are like, "Uh uh-uh, my day sucked. I'm just going to stay home. Um, But no, we like 50 to 60 people will be there. So um, I've been doing this for 11 years. And so um, I knew people in the TEDx organization and they, I had given a a short and an ignite talk about it, which is a five minute with 20 slides. And then they asked me to expand it. And um, so I talked about 10.5 life lessons you can learn in a dive bar. Can you remember any of those? (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, You're never too old to make new friends. Um, The camera never lies because really good dive bars. They have all these pictures from parties and all the regulars always on the wall. yeah, the jukeboxes, really good dive bars, you know, cash. Well, really good jukeboxes always um, have their own records. They don't have a digital one. They have, you know, oh. their CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is changing. Cash is king. Usually a good dive bar only takes cash. They don't take okay. credit cards. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the point five, 10.5 is that it's, you know, it's not a small world. It's really a big bar and you just haven't gone from one end to the other. Uh, So for those people who live in smaller towns, I grew up in a town of like 2000 people actually outside of the town. So what constitutes a dive bar? Oh, San Diego is a different story from where I grew up. Yes, it is. It is a different story. Um, Well, you you know, all dive bars are neighborhood bars that, um, you know, they evolved. You can't just build a bar and go, ah, it's a dive bar. You know, you could put the stuff in, you could, you know, Hey, it looks a little ratty. You know, there's a interesting clientele. There's, you know, weird bar specials. We got pickled eggs. We're not serving you any food. Um, but unless it's a real, you know, it evolves to that. Mm-hmm. And I, as I like to say when it comes to a dive bar, it's a little bit like the Supreme Court's ruling on pornography. You'll know what when you see it. I see. <laughs> uh, kind of a hole in the wall, mm-hmm. uh, local, yeah. the locals, Race. where the locals would go. Where the locals would go. Yeah. It's not usually something like if you went to TripAdvisor and you're like, oh, I need a bar in this area, they wouldn't send you there. Mm-hmm. Um, usually what we do when we travel is we will have found, you know, from someone, a dive bar, we will go there and we will talk to the bartenders. Like where's the next one we should go to. Oh, 
So is it kind of its own culture then too? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> who generally makes up, like, what are the demographics of your meetup group? I, I started a meetup group for people who are new in town, uh, uh-huh. in the Phoenix area. What about are you finding all sorts, young and we, old? We do get all sorts. We and and that's a, a one we get a lot. I'm new in town. I figured this was a great way to learn someplace to go and meet people, which is so true. Our demographics, um, obviously, our ages are between 21 and 70, so oh. <laughs> we're all over the place. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we we used to have you know we like teachers. We have lawyers. We have people in the Navy, we have um, nurses, it just everybody. I mean, it's, uh, it's all over the place. And it, it's just the common theme is they like to meet people. Do you feel like this has provided that social outlet that you probably were missing from being in the office? Definitely. Like, oh, I yeah. like to go there, like to be like, you know, what about your social? And you've, it sounds like this is replacing that for you. It do- oh, it, do- it definitely does. It's, it's really fun. It also, you know, gives us a reason to go out and visit dive bars when it's not with the whole group, you know, we'll go out and like, Hey, we got to go check this out. Scope them. Yeah. Scope them out. Well, we call it recon. So, you know, it sounds fancy. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I've been part of several different book clubs over the years and that mm-hmm. was kind of my outlet, something to look forward to. We only did it once a month, but obviously yeah. there were still like chatter, like in our Facebook group or whatever throughout the month, uh, with COVID it's slowed to a stop recently, but, uh, looking forward to that chance. And we would, um, we would actually rotate not just through restaurants, but also, um, through each other's homes. So like yeah. every quarter. So for three months we would do, we had one, um, we do a restaurant, a new restaurant for restaurants a year. And then we had a kind of like a community room that was a part of a health office that they allowed us to use. It had tables and a little kitchenette. And so that was like a, a consistent place that we would go every, you know, three months. And then we would go into each other's homes every three months. And it was a nice, it was a nice rotation. I thought it kind of was work to try to find a restaurant, like to try to find a restaurant that could accommodate a group, yes. even of like 10 people is difficult when you're talking 50, 70 people, <laughs> but basically you just come in and take over. <laughs> would, yes. Would you, yes. would you get deals with your dive bar? Like, would we, you let them know we're coming? We, oh, they definitely know we're coming. We go in like two weeks ahead of time, talk to them, make sure, you know, that they, they don't accommodate. have anything else. Well, they, yeah. Um, which is why we, Wednesday nights are usually kind of quiet mm. in, uh, in, in okay. bars of all kinds. Um, mm-hmm. But we also want to make sure there's, there's not, you know, karaoke or, you know, there was a bar we were going to go to and I talked to the bartender and she's like, nope, that's perfect. And five minutes later, the, the manager called me and he's like, no, we're starting uh, comedy nights on the fourth Wednesday of the month, which mm-hmm. means they, you know, we would be there and then it was a ticketed event and it would just, you know, it was like, oh that's fine. We'll wait till there's a month with five Wednesdays and then we'll come okay. back. But yes, we always, they always know. I would never do that. to Ed- Hi, there's 50 <laughs> of us. We're thirsty. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'd like to end uh, with a question. Just, I'm sure that over the years, 25, 26 years that you've been doing this working from home, that you've had a lot of people ask you like, What's it like working from home? You know, how can I do that? Do you have any tips or tricks for people who are thinking about doing it for the first time? Absolutely. If you're, if you're going to work from home, you're working and all of your stuff, the laundry, the cleaning, the kitchen, whatever can be distracting you, that's not your work. And, and anyone that thinks that's, you know, oh, you're home, you should be doing this. No, you know, just realize that you're working from home. You're working. That's the first thing. You're just working. And if you need to do tricks that, that help you do you know, sit in the office with the door shut or, you know, have a little stop sign, you know, the red, yellow, and green. So your kids know not to bother you do what you have to do to protect you, your time and your energy. And what is the best thing that has come out of working from home for you? Ah, 
never have to wear a dress again. <laughs> um, no. um, the best is just that it, it is allowed me to do the things that I, I want to do without worrying about someone else's business. It's my business. Nice. Yeah. I actually, when I started working from home, I threw out about 70% of my wardrobe, all of those clothes that I had been wearing for the last seven years, you know, in my business casual setting that I didn't feel pretty in, or that I just didn't like them. I just was like, donate. (laughs) And I, I replenished my supply of like comfy shorts and things. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Back then I wasn't on camera though. For those first 10 or 12 years, I wasn't on camera at all. So nobody had to see me, but well, thank you so much, Ellen. This has been fun. Any final thoughts before we head out? How can people find Um, you? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, they can find me at ellengoodwin.com. You can reach out to me uh, at ellen at ellengoodwin.com. I answer all my own email, usually in the afternoon when it's low energy time. Mm -hmm. Um, on the socials, I'm Ellen Goodwin, except for Instagram, where it's done underscore the underscore book. Done the book. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Because her book is called Done. How to work when no one's watching. Okay. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. I appreciate you and our time. And I am going to start setting my oven timer more often after this call. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much, April. This has been really fun. Thank you. This has been Ellen Goodwin with April Malone and Yes, I Work From Home, and we will see you next time. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you.